and for a treat, one of my dear friends actually get to be the the founding and current holding president of his fan club. Uh, I met Vincent Carpenter in 2005. Yeah, um, and uh, we have been joined at the hip ever since. We, we at times get confused as twins, as uh, you will soon see. Um, no, but Vincent and I have uh, gotten to work together. Um, we have dreamed into seeing God change cities together, and uh, it's been an incredible ride over the past few years, and he is here to bless us with a word. Um, so if you are thankful for Vincent Carpenter and his gift to us by being here today to preach to us, can you give him the rowdiest welcome in the history of welcomes? Three, two, one, go. Come on. Antioch Austin, bring you greetings from your extended family in uh, Waco, Texas. I'm sure you know, I'm sure JD has told you that uh, Antioch Community Church Austin is not just a local expression, but it's part of a worldwide movement of churches and people. And so uh, y'all are just uh, getting to spend the day with Cousin Vincent. And uh, so I'm super glad to be with y'all this morning. Uh, as JD was sharing, I just remember, you know, it's I've said many times as a preacher, you know, don't, don't ever tell God what you won't do because you'll end up doing that. And, and one of the things that uh, when J.D. was in Waco, uh, I remember, you know, even though we uh, are you like, alike in so many ways, you can see we look like twins, but we're unique in a lot of ways. And I remember way back in the day, in the early 2000s when I came, uh, J.D. used to always sport skinny jeans. <laughs> and uh, I'm about... 55, I, I used to play defensive tackle for Bailey University. I was a much bigger man in my earlier years, but through some injuries and back issues, I had to kind of get some weight down. And so I'm a lot thinner uh, than I used to be back in those days. And, and I think from the pulpit at Antioch Waco, I think I referred to JD and said, you'll never see me wearing skinny jeans. And, <laughs> and uh, probably 55 pounds lesser, I, I have several pairs of skinny jeans in my closet. <laughs> Never, never say what, uh, what you won't do because you end up doing that. It's happened to me many, many times before. Um, but anyway, very, very thankful, super excited uh, to be with JD and his family. We love them, uh, and we love uh, you guys uh, from uh, a few miles up the highway. I uh, want to uh, introduce you to my family. Uh, so you can see that some of them are here, and I want to put them on the screen for you so you can see uh, the, the Carpenter uh, clan, if you will. Uh, there I am, and next to me is my youngest daughter, Emma Grace, and next to her is one of my daughter-in-law, Sahana, and then my oldest son, Michael, there, uh, my daughter, Faith, uh, my daughter, uh, Michelle. Uh, on the end there is my daughter-in-law, Alex, who is here with us. Thank you for her to be here. And then down there on the bottom uh, is my wife, Tanya, of 30 years. His beautiful wife, Tanya, is here with us today. Uh, and then beside her are our two grandsons, Jackson there on the left, and Vincent Tyree Carpenter III, there sporting uh, the, the, the baby carrier there. So that's the Carpenter clan there. Papa, uh, Vincent Tyree Carpenter Jr. Uh, was not with us. He is, uh, was deployed. Uh, you got a picture of him. He was uh, deployed uh, to uh, uh, overseas during that time, and, and so he wasn't able to be with us. If you wouldn't mind, put that, that second picture up there, if you would, of my, uh, that next picture you have. That's Vincent Jr. <laughs> 
he got to be, um, he wasn't with us at that family vacation, uh, but super, super grateful. Thank y'all for being here. My two grandsons are back in the classroom having a, a great time uh, with y'all's kiddos this morning. Um, show you those pictures uh, and, and proud of my family because uh, Tanya and I, probably like all of you, uh, love your family. We love our family. Uh, y'all, I'm sure you love your families. Uh, and we love our families for a lot of different reasons. And one particular reason I want to talk about this morning is we love our families because they create this place of longing for us. Your family uh, is this place where you feel safe. Your family is this place where you feel loved, this place where you feel accepted, this place where you feel cared for, uh, you feel valued uh, in your family. And we love our families uh, for that reason among many others. And, and that's important to us this morning because uh, that also should be true of the family of God. The family of God, the people of God, this thing we call the church should also be a place of belonging, a place where people can come and feel accepted, a place where people can come and feel loved, a place where people feel valued and honored and believed in and built up and strengthened. Uh, that sense of belonging should be in the family of God. That is a great, uh, unique distinction, though, that I want us to pay attention to between our families of origin, our biological families, and the family of God. In our families of origin, our siblings and our parents and those people that we grew up with, uh, there's a lot of similarities there. We oftentimes have the same name. Uh, we often look a lot alike. We often have the same loves. We have the same experience. We have a lot of shared history. There's so much similarity that allows grace for us to love each other. That is distinct from that is unique to the body of Christ in that the body of Christ, this family of God, has all kinds of different people together. There's all kinds of unique expressions and different origins in the family of God. The scripture says that the family of God is made of people from every nation, tribe, people, and language. That means that uh, in the family of God, there are people of different ethnicities. And you'll hear me say that word ethnicities, oftentimes you hear the word race, that's, that's a cultural term, race, but the biblical term actually is ethnos, people groups. God brings together in his family people of different ethnicities, people of different age groups, people of different socioeconomic classes, people of different political persuasions, people that see the world in different ways and born in different places and come from different spaces. Yet, with all that uniqueness, with all those distinctives, with all those differences, that same sense of belonging is supposed to occur. So that when you have a family where everybody's alike, everybody looks the same, everybody's uh, unique uh, or, or, or similar to one another, that sense of belonging is supposed to be there. But when you bring a whole lot of different people together from a whole lot of different places, that same sense of belonging is supposed uh, to be there. I want to show you a picture uh, of some friends of mine that kind of illustrate this sense of belonging that I'm talking about. Uh, these two gentlemen, part of our church, uh, on the left there uh, is uh, Marcus, and on the right there is Doug. Uh, Doug actually used to be a part of our staff. He's still a part of our church. He and his wife Kelly are still very good friends of mine. <coughs> As uh, you can tell, and you'd probably be surprised uh, for me to tell you that, that Doug and uh, Marcus uh, are, are different in a lot of ways. 
Uh, yes, they, they, they have some ethnic differences. They have some age differences. They uh, have a born difference. They got a lot of things that are different about them. But there also exists between them this sense of belonging that I'm talking about. Uh, about a couple of years ago, uh, not quite two years ago, uh, Doug was telling me um, he had felt from the Lord one night uh, to go and volunteer at a ministry down in Waco called Shepherd's Heart. Shepherd's Heart is a food distribution ministry, and they use our parking lot a couple times a month, and they bring food to people, and our, some of our staff and some of our people go out there, and they volunteer, and they get food to people, pray for people, encourage people, bless people. We've seen people come to faith. It's a great little ministry. And uh, so one night, uh, Doug said he felt from the Lord he was supposed to go to the distribution center the next day and, and volunteer. Just go out, I don't know, help pack the food, do whatever. That same night, now I learned this later, that same night, Marcus said he kept hearing the word Doug kept coming to his mind out of nowhere. He was just at home one evening, and he kept thinking about Doug. The word Doug kept coming to his mind. And he does have an uncle named Doug, but he kept thinking, I don't think this is, whatever this is, I don't, I'm not thinking this is my uncle Doug. And he just kept thinking the name Doug, Doug, Doug. And then the next morning, Doug Lee walks in. And so he's like, wow, that's interesting. I was just thinking about you. So they strike up a conversation. And, and through the gist of that conversation, Marcus and Doug began a discipleship relationship. And they began to spend time together, praying together, looking at scripture together, all the way to the point that Marcus decided that he wanted to be baptized. He said, I had not really fully made a commitment to the body of Christ. And so uh, every year at Antioch Waco, uh, we have a service, uh, J.D. probably remembers, it's called the Baptism Bash. It's one of our most popular services, and we'll spend an entire Sunday morning baptizing people. As a matter of fact, last year we baptized about 120 people. Two years ago when Marcus Parker was probably not quite 100, but just it's a beautiful expression of people declaring that they belong to Jesus and they belong to the body of Christ. And so Doug and, and Marcus continue their friendship and continue discipleship. And, and a couple of years ago, unexpectedly, Marcus's father passes away. And uh, obviously, Marcus goes to his home church and where his father goes to church. And, and they invite Doug to come and officiate the ceremony. And Doug and Kelly shared how unique it felt and honoring at the same time to be in this church of his father's upbringing that was all African-American. They were the two Caucasian people that were part of that service. And so I share that story to help us understand that both these men, though very unique and very distinct from each other, from each other, all began to gain this sense of belonging together to the family of God and also to their families of origin. Now, Marcus and Doug's story is important to us today because I wonder, I could even ask, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I wonder today if there's anybody here that does not have a sense of belonging. A lot of times in our culture today, a lot of times in our society today, people don't feel like they belong. I, uh, my staff role at Antioch Wake, I serve on the board of elders there, and, uh, and then my, my, my specific staff role is I'm called the director of pastoral care. So uh, I do a multitude of things. I help do some pastoral counseling. I refer people to professional counselors when they need it. I help people get to the various ministries in our church that they need. I do some of the preaching and teaching. There's a lot of different responsibilities, so, but I often spend a lot of time with our church members helping them work through 
various issues. And this week, particularly, I was sitting down with a man in our church, and he said, I sit in a room of people, and I feel alone. You see, there's this sense amongst people that there's this sense of belonging that I'm talking about. Uh, Everybody is not uh, experiencing it. What happens is in our culture, our culture does not create that sense of belonging that I'm talking about. Our culture often creates what I call insiders. And insiders are people who have power, they have influence, uh, they have resources, they have knowledge, which result in, results in outsiders. In cultures, we end up having insiders and we have outsiders. And the insiders and the outsiders fight with one another for power and for influence, leaving many people feeling this greater sense of not belonging. And I would say, especially in the role that I serve in now, I think that has a significant influence in the huge spike we're seeing in mental health and family dysfunction issues. People not having this sense of belonging. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you don't belong. There's a lot of reasons that could happen. Maybe because of your ethnicity, you feel like you don't belong here or in some other setting. Maybe because of your economic status, you feel like you don't belong. Maybe because of your gender, maybe because of your age, maybe because your very personality and your giftedness and your viewpoints on the world, you feel like you don't belong. And if that applies to you, today is a good day to be in church because there's good news for you. From the culture we live in, from the settings you're part of, if you don't belong, there is good news. And the good news is this. God had no intention for you to live in this culture. God had no intention. If that's how you feel in our setting, if that's how you feel in the culture, God had no intention for you to live in that culture. Let's read in from the scriptures where he did intend for us to live. This is John chapter 17, verses 14 through 16. It says here, this is Jesus talking, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. Now, what does that mean? What is, how does that refer to this issue of belonging that I'm talking about? As I said before, culture offers us these tensions. We we feel like there's lots of tension in our culture uh, in this day. And these tensions are caused because the insiders and the outsiders vie for power towards one another, leaving many of us feeling like we do not belong. But God's intention is not for you to live in this culture. His intention is for you to live in his culture, which he calls the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, people are not vying for power. In the kingdom of God, they're not insiders and they're not outsiders. In the kingdom of God, people are not winners and people are not losers. In the kingdom of God, people are not trying to be accepted. People are not looking for a sense of belonging. People are not looking how to be loved and cared for because that comes from God himself. In the kingdom of God, we all belong. I want you to uh, say with me right now. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. Therefore, I'm a part of his church. 
and I belong. Okay, let's say that with a little believable enthusiasm. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. That means I belong in his kingdom. I belong. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a part of the kingdom of God. You belong. We all belong in God's kingdom. Let's go on further in the scriptures. It says here in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What that simply means is that Jesus has made a place of belonging for you. Jesus has created a place for you to feel accepted. Jesus has created a place for you to be cared for. Jesus has played a place for you to feel valued and worthwhile and, 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 and seen for who you are. And now since you have been given that, now he's also now called you to create that same sense of belonging for someone else. God has given you a place, and now God has given you a space, and now God has empowered you to make that same place and space for someone else. And particularly, that call is to people who are different from yourself, because those are the ones most likely to feel like they don't belong. God has given us all a place, and God has given us a call to make a space for somebody else. Okay, so let's talk about this. You say, well, how do I know? Now, there may be somebody here, and you say, yeah, I feel exactly what you said. I, I'm in some places where I feel like I do not belong. How do I know? You, you claiming that, I'm saying that, but how do I know for certain that I belong? How do I know I belong in the body of Christ? How do I know I belong at Antioch, Austin? How do I know I belong wherever God has you? Let's go back to the scriptures again. 2 Corinthians 5, it says that we have been given a, a new place. He says, if anybody is in Christ... They are new. It says that the old has passed away. That means the sense of isolation. That means the sense of rejection. That means the sense of not belonging. Those things have passed away. See, one of the things we have to know about being in God's kingdom, the kingdom of God is a kingdom built by faith. It says we live by faith, not by sight. That means the understanding that God has made a place for me is something that I know by faith, not by I feel that. Not by I see that. The way the kingdom of God works is we believe and then we see, not the other way around. If we're waiting to feel something, if we're waiting to see something, we don't experience it. But when we believe, then we see. God's given us this kingdom, and this kingdom is won by faith. Let's look at another passage, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and he with me. Simply what that means is if we have received Jesus Christ, the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. And that spirit is a guarantee of sonship. That spirit is a guarantee of daughtership. That spirit is a guarantee that you have access to everything within the kingdom. That spirit is a guarantee that you belong. 
That's how you can be certain you have the Spirit of God inside of you. One last passage here to talk about how we can know for certain that we actually do belong is Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. It says, now when he was asked, here's Jesus speaking again. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. It's not something that we see. It's not something that we feel. It says, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. That's powerful, y'all. I hope you don't miss that. He said, the kingdom of God is not something we observe. It's not something we hold with our eyes. It's not something we feel with our hands. He said, the kingdom is within us. Many times the tensions that we feel in culture, the problems that we feel in culture is that we're looking for the kingdom. We're looking for a sense of belonging. We're looking for a sense of acceptance. We're looking for a sense of value and external means. We want to feel valued and accepted and seen by our government. We want to see value and seen by the job we have. We want to feel value and esteem by the people we know. We want to feel value and esteem by being in the right neighborhood. But the kingdom of God does not come from these external things. He says, I put it within you. And there's a specific reason for that. When you have something external, it can be taken from you. Resources can be taken from you. Power can be taken from you. Somebody you love, somebody you're looking to can leave you. But when God puts something inside of you, nobody can touch it and nobody can take it. That's why the kingdom is in us, not external to us. That's how we know we really belong because the spirit of God, this kingdom that we're talking about, this sense of belonging, he placed it inside you. Look inside, not outside. You are an insider because it's inside of your heart. One last passage here, we're talking about how, how we know. Do, do I really belong? Where The point we're trying to make is God has put it inside you. That's how you know. You can have confidence because it's not something you see. It's not something you hold. It's not something you grab. It's something already in you, and so you have it. Nobody can touch it. Nobody can take it from you. One last passage here, Genesis chapter 12. It talks about where all this sense of belonging I'm talking about actually began. Where did this originate from? Where did this come from? How did we get this kingdom that I'm talking about? Well, let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's look at the very start of this process. It says here in Genesis chapter 12, and, and let me give a little backstory. In Genesis chapter 12, we're going to read a story about a man named Abram. But in Genesis chapter 11, uh, there was this story of what earth looked like. What, what family looked like. In Genesis chapter 11, I won't read all that, but it says that there was one common language over all the earth. At this time, everybody on earth kind of lived in one kind of geographic part of the world. And they all spoke one language. So in, in a sense, there, there was a kind of a sense of family there. There was kind of a sense of community there. Kind of, maybe kind of a sense of belonging, if you will. Everybody was all together, and they all had one language. Think about that. <laughs> the word, think about the world we have. We all spoke one language. But they uh, gathered amongst themselves, and they began to build this tower. This is the, uh, Genesis 11 talks about this story called the Tower of Babel. Many of you, not all of you, are probably familiar with this story. They said, let's, let's build a tower all the way up to heaven, and we're going to make a great name for ourselves. 
And as they did that, God said, hey, actually, uh, if I don't do something, they're going to actually accomplish this feat. That, that tells you something about unity there. You talk about being unified with people there. You can unify over something evil and it actually get accomplished because he said, I need to stop them because they're actually going to accomplish this goal. That, that tells us something about how powerful unity and oneness is. So anyway, he, uh, he, he, he divides them in Genesis chapter 11 by language. They all spend and speak, speak different languages, so therefore they had to separate and now we have the beginning of this thing that we call ethnos that I referred to before. People groups begin to form. Uh, cultures of people begin to form from uh, this episode here in Genesis chapter 11. So you say, well, man, that's, that's kind of a downer. It's like everybody was unified and seemed like God himself divided us. Hmm, that, 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 that seems kind of odd to you, don't you think? Well, flip the page. We go to Genesis chapter 12. God responds to man's desire to make themselves equal to him. He kind of had to do something to, to, to protect us from our own selves. But flip the page, God begins a conversation with a man named Abram. And he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Let's just read it here. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to a land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curses you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now here we have, in Genesis chapter 11, kind of, if you will, the division of mankind. And we're experiencing that division in our lives to this very day. But the very next page, the very next chapter, the very next thing, the very next word out of God's mouth is he initiates with a man and he says, I'm going to make a great nation. I'm going to make a family with you. Because of man's brokenness, because of man's sin, the earth became divided, but God immediately initiates a plan to bring us all right back together again, culminating in what Jesus uh, has done for us. So uh, when you read this story, in, in many ways, it can look like uh, the Jewish people, this, this nation that he's talking about became what we call the children of Israel, what we currently call the Jewish people. It, it looks like he created them to be kind of these exclusive people. Looks like they were the biblical insiders, if you will. But notice what he said to him. He said, I'm going to bless you. You're, you're going to be my family. You're going to be my, my people. They, they were even called God's chosen people. How about that for a nickname, <laughs> to be God's chosen people? But he says, I'm doing that for a specific reason. I'm going to bless you so that all the people of the earth can be blessed. So, yes, he, he made them an exclusive people. He started them as insiders, if you will. But the purpose was so that he could bless them so that through them, all the people of the earth could become insiders. See, that's God's plan. Culture gives us outsiders and culture gives us insiders. But God's plan is, hey, I'm going to transfer every outsider into an insider. There's not going to be winners and losers. We're all going to win in the family of God. We're all going to win in the kingdom of God. We're all going to have a sense of belonging. Jesus started them. As exclusive. Jesus started them as inclusive for the purpose of making them uh, bring everybody into the family of God. 
same as what we said earlier in 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, God has made us new. God has given us a place. God has given us a space. Now he's empowered us to bring other people uh, into the sense of belonging that all of us have been given. God's called us to be uh, his people. God's called us to be his children. God's given us a sense of belonging. We have a place to be cared for. We have a place to feel valued. We have a place to feel accepted. We have a place to feel safe. And God did that because he loves you, but God also loves all the world, and he wants them to feel safe. He wants them to feel accepted. He wants them to feel valued. And those thems that we're talking about are most specifically people that are different from you. It's easy for people like you to feel value, to share experiences, but the intention that he's going to, he, he talked to the Jews, not about making the Jews part of his family, but to make the whole Gentile world part of his family. So you have been given a place of acceptance. You have been given a sense of belonging. And I suspect there are people all around you who don't feel like they belong. There's people around you, and that could be for a lot of reasons. It could be people for ethnic reasons don't feel like they belong. Socioeconomic reasons, they feel like they don't belong. Political reasons, they feel like they don't belong. Uh, Class reasons, they feel like they don't belong. Personality and gifted reasons, they feel like they don't belong. But you have been given a sense of belonging for the purpose of making them feel like they have a place to belong. Now, how do we do that? Uh, hopefully from the scriptures, hopefully you have a sense that God has given you something special. God has given you something unique because you have given your life to Jesus. That's a great benefit, don't you think? If you're here today, may- maybe you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. And, and if you're here, uh, thank you for being here. I uh, hope that you feel welcome. You should feel uh, blessed. I uh, hope you feel uh, at peace and secure and wanted uh, in this place. Today is a good day for you to be at church because I believe that God is extending you an invitation uh, to find a place of belonging. In just a little while, there will be an opportunity for you to respond to that invitation. Nobody has to be an outsider. God wants to transfer everybody to be an insider in his kingdom. Now, how do we, how do, we do this? How, how is it? We're, we, we've been given this place of belonging. We've been given this privilege. We've been given this blessing, and we're supposed to now give that away to others. How does that happen? What, 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 what does that look like uh, to us? Uh, I'm going to share that with us just a minute, but I want to first give us another illustration of that. I want to sh- look you look at a little, uh, a little news clip, about three minutes long, about two men who also helped each other find a sense of belonging. So let's take a minute, and we're going to watch this video for about three minutes, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about what this sense of belonging looks like for us.
Beautiful story of two men, amen, amen, <laughs> giving each other a sense of belonging. So, but how does that apply to us? We, I've been uh, encouraging us that we all have been given this sense of belonging. We all have been given access to the kingdom of God, and now we have this call to bring others into that space and place with us. What does that look like? So, just a couple of thoughts, and then I want to ask us to respond. One simple thought: outsiders and insiders both have to leave what they know. Uh, God called Abraham and said, leave your father and mother. What, what does that mean to us? All of us have our origins. All of us have what we know. All of us know what's comfortable to us. And, and oftentimes, as believe we, we expect people to kind of come to us all the time. In a church where we're good about saying our doors are open, you know, and people are welcome to come in. But because God went to such a great length, think God didn't wait for us to come up to heaven, did he? No, but Jesus left heaven and came to earth. He left the greatness of heaven and came to a sick place where we're at. So oftentimes we want to stay in our places of comfort and stay in the places that we know and stay what's safe for us and expect people to come to that. But actually, if we're going to uh, help uh, give that sense of belonging, we have to step away from what we know and step away from our places of comfort and step away from our places of power and places of influence uh, to reach people so that they can have that sense of belonging. Sometimes it calls for us to step into other people's places 
and spaces. So think about who's in your world, who's in your space that's different from you. How can you step away from your place toward their place? Also, outsiders and insiders have to speak the same language. In the past here, he told Abram, he said, I'm going to bless who you bless. I'm going to curse who you curse. What, what, what do we mean by that? What does that mean? That he's talking about language, what we say. Antioch, we're, we're a missional people. We send people all over the world. We send missionaries to different countries. And whenever we go there, they do two things. They always learn the language and they always learn the culture. They're always seeking to learn the people that they're a part of. And so I bet there, for many of us here, there are people in your world, there are people in your space, there's people in your communities whom you don't know and you don't understand them. And oftentimes, when we see what we don't know, when we see what we don't understand, we either respond with fear, or we respond with confusion, or we respond with frustration. We, we're afraid of people that we don't know. We get angry at people we don't know. We are confused, and so we allow that to be a wall but God has called us to take the step of learning about people that are not like us. If they're different from you, if you're fearful of them, if they confuse you, if they frustrate you, that's an invitation. Maybe I ought to learn something about them. And that leads to our third point. Well, how do I do that? Outsiders and insiders have to know each other. See, a lot of times uh, what we know about people who are different from us is just what I just did. We know about that different person. We know about that other ethnicity. We know about that other socioeconomic class through the media. What I've seen on TV about them, what I've seen posted about them, what I've heard from other people I grew up about them, but a lot of times we don't actually know them. We haven't spent time with them. We haven't uh, done anything beyond required space with them. Maybe, maybe there's somebody in our workplace, but, but you don't know somebody in that environment because you're required to be there. Where you really get to know somebody is in your discretionary space, where you live, where you vacation, where you recreate. That's where you actually begin to know somebody. And when those things happen, now the sense of belonging is transferred from your life to their life. That is the call that he has given to us today. Somebody asked us to respond. If you wouldn't mind, if you wouldn't mind, just stand with me for a few moments. I'm going to ask you to consider some responses, and I'm going to turn back over to J.D. to lead us. If you have an, a sense of confidence that, yes, I know I belong. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I'm a part of the family of God. I'm a part of this local expression. I, I know I belong. I'm not, you didn't convince me of anything today. I already I knew that when I walked in the door. If, if that's you, then I want to charge you that the scripture has said that now you have been charged with this ministry of reconciliation. You, you have an invitation. You have a, a, a calling to now bring other people into that space. And maybe that's your response today. Maybe the Holy Spirit is bringing somebody in your space, particularly somebody that doesn't look like you, doesn't grow up like you, not from the place you're at. There's somebody that can come in to my sense of belonging, and I need to make a commitment to that. I need to get to know them. I need to learn them. I need to uh, uh, leave my place to get toward their space. And maybe that's your commitment today. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you feel like no, I'm, I'm the person, I, I don't belong. I'm in this whole room 
but I feel by myself, just like that man I talked to this week. I'm sitting in a room full of people. You're sitting right here. There's about several hundred people here, but you feel by yourself. And if that's you today, one, you got to take the courage to admit that, to say it out loud. And also, you have to make another step and reject the lie that you don't belong because you do belong. So there's, there's two responses for you. You need to admit it, that you think it, that you feel it, and then you need to reject it. And maybe you do that by praying with someone, acknowledging it to one son, calling it what it is. And maybe you're here today and, and, and you haven't committed to Jesus because any belonging to receive it or to give it starts with Jesus. And maybe it, you haven't given your life today to him. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the opportunity for you to start the process of receiving and then giving belonging. So if you need to reach out to someone, if you need to reject the life, you need to start a relationship, or maybe you came to church for some totally other reason that I did not even refer to today. Either way, you belong. God wants to accept you. God wants to help you wherever you're at. So whatever your situation is, whatever your response needs to be, this is the time to do that. God bless you. Come on, you guys. Thankful for Vincent. Wow, what a word. If you're one of our leaders, you know who you are. If you could just make your way forward, we're going to go into a worship song, but we always want to create space for people to get ministered to by the Holy Spirit. If you need prayer for anything, if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you're in the middle of a storm and you need the hand of God to come and bring peace to your soul, if you feel like Vincent was talking right to you and you're in a room full of people and you feel alone and you need God to put the kingdom of heaven in you in a fresh and powerful way, bring, bring belonging to you, whatever you need, as we sing, please respond. Don't leave here without a touch from heaven. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the power of the scripture. Lord, thank you for Vincent. Thank you for the man that he is, that you've anointed him to be a communicator of the word. Thank you for his family. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to be ministered to by them. And Lord, we say that as we sing, let us all respond. Lord, we, we, we want your kingdom to get in us in a fresh and powerful way. Come on, let's sing this together. Worthy is the Lamb.